Welcome back, everyone. We're Simply Bitcoin. We break down the news, the daily fail, meme review, software releases, hardware releases, and the pleb sites. Joining us today, return guest, friend of the show, fellow Bitcoiner. I'm talking about Odell. That's right. I gave you multiple hats. Anyways, what's happening, my dude? It's it's great to be here, guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pleasure to be here. We had to redo it again because we cursed in the first 30 seconds. And you can't do that on YouTube. But anyways, Phil, it's time for the numbers. I I had a pause because I was afraid I was going to (laughs) curse. So I just froze up. Number time. There we go. Number time. Brought to you by Noddle. They make some of the best Bitcoin nodes like the Noddle One. Run your own version of Bitcoin Core. The Lightning Network, Whirlpool, and Dojo, all in the comfort of your own home. Remember, guys, if you don't run your own Bitcoin node, you're using someone else's. So get yourself a noddle today. At the time of this recording, the block height is 741,637. The Bitcoin price, 20,610. Chain rewrite days, 750. Total public lightning capacity, 3,929.85. Moscow time, 48.52. Blocks to the halvening, 98,363. And the Samurai Whirlpool unspent capacity. Samurai Whirlpool is a coin join or collaborative spend. It is not a mixing service. And the unspent capacity for that pool is 4,689.80. BTC, Nico, the numbers. The numbers. Um, we've been getting a lot of hate in the comments saying Bitcoin is not an investment, etc., etc. So to honor them, I'm going to pick a great topic that we could talk about. Um, here is uh, the legendary Gigi. More and more people will learn the hard way that real estate is a shitcoin. Matt O'Dell, why is real estate a shitcoin? I mean, real estate is absolutely a shitcoin, 100%. Uh, I mean, the so real estate, obviously, you can live in real estate. I would say if you live in real estate, it's not a shitcoin. If you have land, if you have property, you need a home over your head. Uh, you want to have some level of autonomy. You don't have a landlord choosing what, what you do and what you don't do. I would say that's not a shitcoin. But investment real estate is just strictly an inferior store of value than Bitcoin when you look at its properties. And, and the thing is, we've had such poor money for such a long time that there's this whole class of real estate that's investment real estate that's in- incredibly inflated because people are just using it as a store of value. And when I talk about real estate versus Bitcoin or just real estate as an investment period, I like to look at real real world case studies. And we've seen um, some of the most valuable real estate markets in the world get absolutely destroyed by poor governance. So obviously you can't pick up your real estate and move it. But with Bitcoin, you're borderless. And but with real estate, so two the two big markets that I would point out is Hong Kong went from one of the most valuable markets in the world, decimated overnight when when China took it over. Um, and and New York, New York during during the COVID lockdowns, they essentially um, they essentially socialized all the apartments and the stores because they froze eviction courts. And as soon as you freeze eviction courts, there's no reason anyone needs to pay rent. But at the same time, they didn't give the landlords any kind of um, substitute or, you know, they just said, fuck you to the landlords. We're closing eviction courts. You can't you can't kick anyone out. And hopefully they still pay your rent, even though you have no recourse. Um, So 
among other properties, I would say the number one reason why real estate is a poor investment over Bitcoin is because of governance risks. This idea that that the rights that you have entitled to you as per you know your real estate contract um, is basically quicksand. It can just get you can just get rug pulled at any moment. What would you say to the people that? Because I know I'm going to hear this argument say, yeah, but what about Bitcoin's volatility and what about real estate's, uh, I, I guess, again, I guess it's a false illusion because it really depends on the, uh, the governance in your local jurisdiction, like you said. But I know a lot of people, uh, specifically the older generation, they rely on investment properties to collect rent. What would you say right. to them? And they look at Bitcoin's volatility. specifically cash flow. Yeah, correct. I mean, I, I would say that's probably, you know, maybe one of the stronger arguments uh, for investment in real estate is this idea of cash flow. Um, but I think that, you know, if 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 you have a something that truly stores its purchasing power and ideally increases in purchasing power over time, um, that conventional concept of cash flow is not necessarily... Um, Ultimately, you have like this net gain, right? You either have a net gain in terms of the value of the asset going up, or you have a net gain in terms of cash flow. In real estate, you combine the two. With Bitcoin, you just have the purchasing power increase. So the question is, which one nets out higher? I think ultimately Bitcoin nets out higher. Um, it's a false illusion that you know your your real estate value is going up in value, that your cash flow is going up in value because you're measuring it in this fucking horrible this this horrible currency that's designed to go down forever um but but ultimately i think you can probably do like some kind of analysis on specific investment real estate okay this is how much i expect its asset value to increase this is how much cash flow i expect to increase if i combine those two together um, and compare it to what i expect bitcoin's asset value to increase and then that's your direct comparison right um i think look ultimately with real estate, it's just a much more complex variable investment, right? So you have not only do you, you have the governance risk of just a straight rug pull, I mean, you're locked into whatever jurisdiction you choose. You don't really have jurisdictional arbitrage. Burdensome regulation in general can really fuck you. You end up, um, I have a lot of friends that have investment in real estate. You're in court all the time, you know, you're paying tickets, you're fixing leaks, people are slipping on ice outside on your sidewalk. Like no one can slip on ice outside your Bitcoin. Hmm. You just hold that. And it, it should increase in value over time. Yeah, this is true. It's a lot less complicated. Phil, to add to the questions I was asking Matt, do you think that as people, right, because the hypothesis, right, is that a lot of the value is being stored in real estate because people don't have, they're chasing returns and they don't have another place to park their money. But if we're right about Bitcoin fixing the money, and we're definitely right, um, <laughs> stay humble uh hey 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 it's true stay humble stack sats odell's true but i haven't been in the game as long as he has um so yeah uh Nico needs to get more humble phil i am humble phil do you think that <laughs> the most humble <laughs> i am very <laughs> humble <laughs> i am very humble i'm the humblest <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm sorry. Phil, we're being you, serious. We're being professional. Very, very serious. This is a highly accredited show. Um, so, Phil, do you, do you think that the asset class will deflate because more bit more people will find what Odell says, right? That it's just a superior store of value, 
than real estate. What do you think? Or do you think it will just always... Because look, at the end of the day, I think Odell's spot on in the first assessment, right? Where you're always going to need a roof over your head, right? But the investment properties, that's a whole other argument, right? We've seen BlackRock, for example, buying single family homes all over the place. Why? Because they're looking, they're searching for returns, right? I think Bitcoin does really fix that. Um, so Phil, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I think that, you know, I, I think that humans like to speculate no matter what, you know? So I think that if there's a speculative market, if there's some kind of alpha, right, some kind of profit to be made, I think that you're going to find corporations rise up around those industries and they're going to continue to have investment properties. But the thing is this, right? I, I think that th this goes, this touches back to what Odell was explaining is that, you know, we've, the the cash flow is baked into the system, right? We have, you have no choice but to have this because fiat keeps going down. So I think that we have a couple of, I think we have a, a couple of things at play here, right? We have the, the human behavior aspect of it, but at the same time, we also have this, this other piece to it where Bitcoin is so much easier to store, so much easier to transport, so much easier to just to have and to hold. Whereas real estate, like Matt was explaining for, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, forget about like the, you know, the, the lawsuits and stuff like that, just holding onto a piece of land, right? Like, let's say you do nothing with this, right? All you did was buy the land and you sit on it. You still have to pay the taxes on this thing every single year. So it's just insurance. You probably still need insurance, you. even if it's bare land, just in case someone like stumbles on there and twists an ankle or some shit. True. You know, like sadly, sadly, you have to do that. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's it just seems like this strange kind of prison that we put up with because it's land. And the other piece to it is this, right? It's always going to have this utility cost because we're always going to need somewhere to live. Granted, I've heard the argument that you could just build up. Um, I have yet to really see that work entirely. So, and land keeps getting quote unquote scarcer. So look, you know, until we truly colonize other planets, which I don't see us doing anytime soon, even though everyone, you know, likes to pat Elon Musk on the back. Uh, yeah, I think it still gets scarcer. And I think that unfortunately people will continue to speculate on land and it is going to be seen as a safe haven, at least for the near future. I think there's like a base, there's like a base demand, right? Um, we're just so far past that base demand right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and the main reason is, is people don't see many good alternatives. I mean, and you see it like Chi Chinese, Chinese citizens buying land in Toronto, buying property in Toronto, investment real estate in Toronto or New York, or Montreal, or LA, wherever they're buying it, London. Why are they buying it, right? They're buying it because they're trying to store their value somewhere outside of their government's control. Um, and they don't really see many alternatives, right, to that. Now, all of a sudden, Bitcoin offers a very legitimate alternative. Now, is everyone going to, you know, flock over to Bitcoin right away? No. But slowly and steadily, more of that demand will get met by Bitcoin. And real estate in general should kind of you know, come back down to like that base load demand. And you probably would see that too with, with, you know, the large equities, the large stocks, you know, like the apples and the Amazons, these blue chip stocks that people are basically just load into and just treat it almost as like a savings bond or something at this point, because they can't find it anywhere else. Um, 
like that probably that insanity probably gets you know funneled a bit into bitcoin and comes back down a little bit to reality but these are all right like these are all long-term kind of situations at play and it's going to take a while for people to kind of to realize the benefits and i say i think this kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that you know, every time we have a shitcoin apocalypse, everyone's like, shitcoins are done forever. Like, they're always going to be shitcoins. Mm-hmm. Like, people are always going to be speculating on bullshit. And, you know, that might be like a Macy's in a rundown strip mall, or that might be like the newest token. But, like, there's going to be someone who's going to speculate on it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Parker Lewis actually wrote a great article for, uh, it was called The Definancialization. And he was making the argument that you made, Odell, is that over time, right, um, because people people have no choice but to park their wealth in these things because they're seeking a return because fiat is so shit, such dog shit. Yeah. Um, but Bitcoin uh, really does fix that. Anyways, Phil, it's time for the Daily News. Brought to you by CryptoCloaks.com. They make some of the best 3D printed Bitcoin merch like the famous 3D printed Bitcoin grenade toy it comes in any custom color your heart desires. You want to simply Bitcoin colors? He could do that. What about Peter Schiff colors? He could also do that. The European store is now open and check out the open source 3D printed node case. Also really cool. Anyways, take, take advantage of the promo code down below to get 5% off CryptoCloaks.com. All right, so this is another simply Bitcoin we told you so. Um, <laughs> we said that... Uh, the CBDCs and the so-called passports, right, were going to be used to control people. And we've also made the argument that in the future, as time progresses, you're going to have to make a choice between a central bank digital currency and Bitcoin. A central bank digital currency is a government bureaucrat's wet dream, and they will use it to control you. Uh, the writing is absolutely on the wall. Um let this be a warning. Uh, check out this tweet thread by. Oh man, don't laugh at me. <laughs> Song, Song Ping Ang. Okay. Um, how she nailed it. Great That's pronunciation. You it thank you. Sure. Thank yeah. you guys. I appreciate it. Um, really practicing my Chinese these days. Um, how Xi Jinping and CCP, with less than 100 million members, can control more than 1.3 billion Chinese people. The answer is world first QR code health passport. She put an electronic monitoring noose around people's necks since February 2020. You're under 24 hour surveillance. And mind you, right, what we covered about a week ago, how depending on what your QR code was, you were cut off from your money. How freaking crazy is that? So this is the green QR code, meaning you're a good citizen. This is the yellow, meaning you got to get your social credit score points up. Uh, And this is the red, meaning you're banned from society. Um, Look, and it's not a joke. Look, there's, there's literally a guard, and he's scanning your QR code. Saying, okay, you could pass, you can't pass, right? Um, And to get even more dystopian, that's right. That is a fucking drone flying through traffic telling you to behave. Uh, This is the future that beholds you with CBDCs. Um, But there is some hope. uh, And the reason that I wanted to cover this today (laughs) is because this came out today on Finbold and other 
uh, news outlets, Chinese messaging app WeChat bans access bans accounts involved in Bitcoin and shitcoins. After the widely publicized crackdown by the Chinese government on anything that has to do with cryptocurrency, one of China's most popular instant messaging and calling platforms, WeChat, has banned crypto-related accounts on its platforms. Now, why would they do that? Well, in developing countries, they don't have the luxuries that we have. They have developed rails, they have exchanges, they have all that stuff. What you hear in developing countries in Nigeria, Venezuela, you have literally WhatsApp groups. And that's how people trade Bitcoin. It's 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 pure peer to peer, right? But in China, there's the Great Firewall of China. They don't have American platforms. They don't have WhatsApp. They their equivalent of WhatsApp is WeChat, right? So clearly, right, this tells me that even after the ban, right, people in China are still using Bitcoin peer to peer. Right. And then connect this with the estimation of the hash rate that it's estimated around 10 percent of the hash rate is still located in China and connect this with the argument that I've been trying to make the last couple of weeks that incentives are much stronger than coercion. Right. <laughs> Think about it. What would you rather choose? A money that literally gets to decide you can't use this because your QR code is red, not to mention it being inflationary. Or would you rather use freedom money, right? Obviously, people are going to flock towards the freedom money. Um, in China, I think they're going to be pretty successful with this, though, because of the Great Firewall, right? Uh, so unless you're tech savvy and you know how to use a VPN um, and to download, you know, other messaging apps, if you're stuck within, you know, the the Chinese ecosystem, you're totally screwed. So Odell. Do you see this as a uh, as the future in the West as these nation states try to maintain their their holds on their citizens? Uh, where I'm going with this is perhaps mandating KYC wallets on an app store, right? There's a lot of things that people don't talk about, right? The Apple ecosystem is totally gated, right? It only takes, you know, a law to pass, right? Love democracy um, to say, hey, you can't download a certain Bitcoin software unless we know who you are. So anyways, I think it's an interesting topic. What, what are your thoughts, Odell? Well, a couple of, couple of key things here. First of all, um, I don't know if you guys saw the story. Uh, I think it was last week, late last week, that there was a bunch of protesters in China um, that were protesting against banks seizing other people's money and stopping them from doing it from the, with that, that app that stops your movement with the red, with the red code. I don't know if you saw when you pulled it up, even the yellow code stops your movement, but red stops everything. You can't withdraw money, including. And they just looked up all the protesters and they just turned all their codes red. So I, I think it's a very clear example that if you don't have privacy, you can't have freedom. It's a prerequisite um, because you can just get targeted and you can get attacked by external means. Um, I think for uh, second of all, you actually don't need a law to be passed for Apple and Google to change their app store policies. Like a very little pressure could probably get them to do that. Um, and also, you know, Apple has been very aggressive in terms of uh, targeting Bitcoin, uh, including open source wallets and projects because they're not getting a cut. They like at all. If there's any microtransactions or anything in an app, Apple expects to get 30% and they're not set up to get 30% of Bitcoin transactions. And also, that a lot of the app developers don't want to give them 30% of the Bitcoin transactions. So there's already like an active back and forth there. Um, I know like Sphinx chat, for instance, 
got pulled from the app store for that reason is my understanding. Um, and it has happened to other apps as well, other Bitcoin apps. The third thing is, I think we're going to see more of this. Um, I think we're going to see increasing draconian surveillance policies across the world. Um, I will say that the positive side is, you know, you mentioned it's hard for people to figure out how to get around the Great Firewall. I think as as people have this need, as people have this pain, people will seek it out and they'll seek out tools and alternatives and education on how to do this stuff. The important thing is that we have the tools, we have the education available for them when they realize the need. The unfortunate reality is most will not come to that conclusion right away. It'll take a while. Um I mean, I see most of the West just going along with bunnies. You know, Bitcoin is talking a big game about CBDCs and everyone's swiping their credit card and paying with Venmo and Cash App, including the Bitcoiners. So um, if if you give someone a convenient way to, to send money with, quote unquote, no fees um, and maybe even add a nice little UBI carrot on top of it and you just automatically deposit money into that into that wallet every fucking week or whatever, um, the overwhelming majority, at least in America, the overwhelming majority of Americans are going to use that fucking wallet. Uh, so I don't think we've, I, I, I don't think, I think Bitcoiners are a little bit cocky about that. But the important thing here is that Bitcoin provides an option for those who realize the need and want to opt out of that. Um, so it's multi-pronged, right? I think, and I also think Bitcoin can be used as surveillance cuck money, or it can be used as freedom money. The, the question is, how does the user want to use it? It's an open protocol. That's up to the individual user. And many, many, many will choose, you know, the permiss the permissioned cens- censorship, pro-censorship, you know, surveillance use of Bitcoin. And that's fine. If they want to do that, so be it. Um, and hopefully more and more will choose to actually use it in a private and sovereign way because they're capable of doing it and they, they realize the need and seek it out. Phil, what are your yeah, thoughts on I, this, man? Yeah, Scary I think Matt, stuff. Yeah, it is. And I think Matt makes an excellent point, right? That it is up to the user. You know, this is why we say that it all has to do with, you know, what you're comfortable with and what you're capable of doing and what you're, you know, what you're able to do. Because believe it or not, there are some people, you know, there, there are some people that just it's I wouldn't even say it has to do with ability, but they just don't realize that it can be made more private. Right. And that that can be done without having to go and use some type of a shit coin. But anyways, we're going to go back to we're going to go back to talking about the uh, the Chinese, you know, the uh, the Chinese. Right. And um, that green, yellow, red type of whole scenario. I think everybody needs to see the movie Logan's Run from the 1970s. Of course, in their case, the green, yellow and red has to do with the stages of life. And then once your thing starts to flash red, you, quote unquote, renew. But really, all that happens is, is that you die. Um, it's kind of creepy. Um, it's kind of scary that the uh, that the Chinese have chosen to use this type of system. And it does seem that it is kind of fitting, right? Because if you are flag- flagged as red, you technically have socially died. Uh, in a way, you uh, you've been cut off access from the resources from the system. So in a way, you are effectively dead. Um, so that is kind of scary. Uh, and I think that, you know, this is what we were talking about yesterday, right? The East versus the decentralized West. I mean, this is scary stuff. They're enacting it um, and we're seeing it play in, in real time. And I think to, to Matt's point, you know, like 
that that is true, right? About about not just Bitcoiners, but just average everyday people, right? If you give them an easy way to do something and you give them a nice little UI and you drop them some fake money, right? It doesn't make a difference as long as they can use it for all their debts. At the end of the day, everyone's going to sit there and use it. So it is really it's frightening, but unfortunately, we are all humans and not everybody sees self-sovereignty and privacy in the same, uh, you know, in, in the same way that we do. And they don't all see the same urgency that we see. Absolutely, I, yeah, Phil, I mean, I think that's really well said. I, there, there's a key thing here that is interesting to me. To me, the biggest concern is like the slow frog boiling, right? Like, you know that meme, like the, the frog is boiling, but it's happening over time. So he doesn't realize he's boiling until it's too late. Um, in these situations, like with the Chinese health code, it's actually, it can be very effective at, at ha having people realize the need. It'll be very painful, right? But if you get completely cut off of your bank account, uh, if you're not allowed to take public transportation, all of a sudden you're like, okay, digital privacy fucking matters. Like there's no education hurdle that has to happen there. When we see, when you work in uh, the education space, when you try and help people understand that they that they need to to try and figure out ways to use technology more privately, including Bitcoin, there's this hurdle that first comes with, okay, let me educate you on the concerns that are happening. What are the risks that are happening? And if those risks aren't very apparent. Then you have this education hurdle to start with. But if if it gets if that lever gets turned fully, um, then you skip that whole education element. So, for instance, when I'm talking to Argentinians, right, you don't have to explain to them the risks of, of bad government money. Like they've lived through that multiple times, right? You just skip that whole step. They're like, okay, what's the alternative? Like, I need an alternative. Um, when we for years we've been talking about not your keys, not your coins. How many people ignored that? until they they couldn't withdraw from celsius and now they're never going to fucking forget that lesson like you don't have to you don't have to do that part of the of the education setup they already realized that they're like fuck okay i feel that but the problem is when you see it happening ahead of time and you see the slow boil you're like fuck they're they're, they're either going to figure it out or they're going to painfully learn a lesson and it sucks to see people painfully learn those lessons yeah it's it, it's so true it's it, it's it, it's it, but it's what you said, right? It's the lesson that you only learned once, but by the time you learn it, it might be a little bit too late. Um, so and for yeah, go ahead, Phil. I was just gonna say, you know, going back to what I said before, and people just don't feel that urgency until it happens to them, you know, like yeah. I, I, I can say for me, like I didn't feel that urgency until it happened to me. You know, even though I had been reading everything and I had been like, you know, uh, learning, it, it didn't matter because at the end of the day, I was like, well, it's fine, you know, because I'm being safe, I'm being secure. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get wrecked in some way that and you're like, OK, you know what? I need to rethink this. And obviously, I need to take this more seriously. Yeah. But that's why, like I would say, like what's happening in the West right now is it could be considered more dangerous. Like how many people actually feel when when they swipe their credit card or they tap their credit card that that is being shared with 35 different companies uh and is being stored insecurely it's being sold and just being used against them all the time like most people do not realize that you try and explain that risk to people they're like ah eh, it's no big deal but if, if people try and make a purchase and it's like that purchase is denied or now you can't have health care or something because you made a purchase then all of a sudden it's immediately apparent to them. So there's a danger here on, on 
particularly in America that I've noticed, which is just this constant, constant, constant creep. It's just this slow creep. Um, and people just, the KYC thing in Bitcoin is a perfect example. Like in 2016, none of the Bitcoin services used, you uh, required KYC. Pretty much none of them required it. That identifying information you have to provide. But over time, slowly and steadily, they added it to as many things as possible. And now at this point, everyone's just like, oh, well, that's normal. But if they had just turned the dial, if they had just turned the dial one day and just every single service required you to do a 3D selfie scan and like give a blood sample to withdraw your Bitcoin, people would have fucking flipped shits. Yeah, it's the, it's the slow crawl, right? Um, and I agree. I think that we've what I've noticed is that people are so they're so comfortable with the ease of use of a lot of these services that they don't realize what it is you're giving in return and they don't realize how vulnerable they are to uh to just government coercion man all it takes is just one you, you saw it in canada it's not even speculation anymore <laughs> it wasn't even a law that was passed it was like it, it was a exactly it was retroactive when people were donating to the trucker stuff it wasn't illegal <laughs> they decided that it was legal after the fact and then they went back in time and said you shouldn't have done that like it's i don't even know what to say but i, I agree phil you want to chime in I, I just wanted to say that essentially what it is is it you know this this counterparty offers us offers us essentially a reduction of friction at the cost of our privacy and at the cost of our data and we don't you know, it's it's really sad, but you know, I, I remember getting, you know, I remember the internet, right? Like when it was like in in the early '90s and in the mid '90s, and and like you just you didn't care. You would give away all this data, like none of it mattered, right? You would just you just wanted to get on. You just wanted to see what was happening. You just wanted to you know be connected and all this stuff. And it just it became this whole thing where it essentially these businesses, right? They they kind of took it for granted that all of our data was out there. And now we've taken it for granted that all of our data is out there. And everyone's just like, yeah, well, my data's out there anyways. It's like, well, I, you, you know, need to re I, like we need to realize what the implications of that is. Sorry, Matt. I know. No, 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 no. I mean, I was kind of cutting you off, but I think like you nailed you. You hit a very interesting cautionary tale that I like to talk about, which is the development of the Internet. Um, people today can use email privately. But the overwhelming majority of people have traded convenience and just use Gmail. They just, they literally, the deal of Gmail is that they scan all your fucking email and they sell your data. Like that is literally what they do. And it is the number one email service, right? How many people are using email in a private sovereign way? So I think, especially in terms of supporting Bitcoin projects and people building Bitcoin projects, there needs to be a, a strong focus. And I think there is, especially more than before, a strong focus on things that are private, that are sovereign, but are still very convenient. They, they might not be the most convenient thing. You still might be using something that is, is because is, there's always a trade-off. It's pretty much always a trade-off between convenience and privacy and security. Um, but if we can make it as convenient as possible, then that hurdle gets broken. And I think with email, you're kind of starting to see it now with things like ProtonMail and Tutanota, where for like the first time you can use email in a relatively private way that's also convenient. Um, and I, but the the hope is like, like Gmail got a lot of users before before Proton and Tutanota came out, right? Like we need that in Bitcoin before the adoption curve hits off, before we onboard the next a billion people, 
you know, let's have a private and sol- sovereign convenient option for them so that some of them will onboard that way. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of tools that are going to make it convenient for users, let's talk about, um, well, first let me read this tweet by Alex Gladstein. So you know that I'm not bullshitting. Um, check this out. He says, it's hard for me to get more bullish on Bitcoin, but after long discussion on Fediments with Obi, I'm significantly more bullish. Fediments could potentially turn many limitations of Bitcoin and Lightning into strengths at scale while slaying megacorps. The synergy is beautiful. So, Matt, you talked to me about this in Austin when I came to visit you. Um, so, uh, what are feminine? What are fediments? Because the reality is, a lot of people are going to be like, "What? What is this? Why is this important?" Um, and you actually brought uh, you brought up a really good point to me in Austin. You said <laughs> that <laughs> you said that the fediments uh, were going to help people. With it's not as ideal as as custody, but it's better than what people usually do nowadays. Someone goes on Coinbase stacks bitcoin they think they own it and they leave it there totally cucked to the government so what is it what is a fediment matt odell first of all when nico visited me we ripped a citadel dispatch which is my podcast um so everyone should go listen to that episode because that was a fun rip and we went at length on fucking fediments there was like analogies with cars and shit so yeah bro consider listening to that (laughs) check it Um, out we'll put it down below guys the look fediments everything has trade-offs right the the number one especially if you're not a technical person the number one thing you should be looking at when you see people talk about different tools and stuff is what are the trade-offs and if they're not talking about trade-offs they're either ignorant or lying to you most of them are probably lying to you intentionally trying to say there are no trade-offs um fediment to me is cool because they took a very compelling trade-off balance. And that trade-off balance is you lose some sovereignty because it is custodial. But the way the the custody works is you can imagine it like a multi-sig. So rather than a single custodian like a Coinbase or a wallet of Satoshi or a Square, um, you really, you have, let's say, and it could be any number and any threshold, but let's say you have 16 custodians and you need basically 13 of them to be malicious, to take your money, to steal your money. So you make this, you make this trade-off where it's like, okay, we're going to do custody, but we're going to minimize the trust in any of the individual custodians because they're in a shared custody model. Um, okay. Why would we do that? Why would we make that trade-off? Well, we make that trade-off because you can have a wallet that is easier to use, uh, that is cheaper to use, and that is more private to use. Uh, than the alternative in a very convenient package. So you can imagine in practice what Fediments could uh, provide is this idea of a mobile wallet that you just load it on your phone, open the mobile wallet, choose which federation you want. There'll be a bunch of different federations all around the world. Um, Some will be small community ones. Some will be larger ones that are run for profit. There'll be a ton of different federations to choose from. You choose your federation, you load it up with Bitcoin, and then you can pay any Bitcoin invoice, whether that's you know a regular Lightning payment, whether that's someone in the Fediment. If if it's someone within your federation, you actually never touch the chain, you or Lightning. You just it's all happens within the federation for free. 
Um, so it's a very interesting trade-off balance. And at, at the end of the day, it offers a very compelling incentive structure, which is um, your transaction's cheaper and it's easier while still being more private than an alternative transaction that is maybe a self-sovereign transaction um, or a naive Bitcoin transaction where you're not considering privacy. And and the, the privacy element is because they're using something called Chalmian Mints, which is a already developed proven technology. Chalmian Mints means that those custodians, even though they're holding your money, don't know how you're moving your money within the greater custodial wallet, which right now all of our custodial wallets, like you're not only trusting the custodian with actually holding your funds and not stealing your funds, you're also trusting them with your privacy. They can see every transaction you make. So you have a wallet that can pay any Bitcoin invoice, can receive Bitcoin from anywhere, um, cheap, easy, good privacy guarantees, and your trade-off is minimized custodial risk because the custodians could either get pressured uh, or they can act together maliciously, but you need a group of them to do it. So I would say that Fediments are the single most bullish project I am. Um, the, the single most bullish I am on any project in Bitcoin right now. Um, and I, I, I'm i really excited to see what those guys build over there. Uh, OB, Eric Sirion, and Justin Moon are the leads. And uh, they're doing really good work. And they're moving way quicker than people thought they were going to move. I'm, I'm excited. I, I think that this will be a good solution without it being overly complex, right? Um, right. And it's better. It's not as ideal as self-custody, but it's better than a custodial solution. Anyways, Phil, why don't you chime in, brother? I, you know, not that I have that much to add to this, but Justin Moon, you know, the fact that he's involved, that tells me already that that's something great because for the people who for the people like me who came in like let's say you know late 2016 2017 uh, he was definitely one of those Bitcoin accounts that was pure signal uh, he did like the Bitcoin reading groups uh, you know he's uh, one of the people that you know tries to teach others how to code for Bitcoin specifically so that's awesome uh, on the topic of fediments though it sounds to me like it sounds like liquid without liquid that's what it sounds like right so I mean First of all, it has better privacy guarantees. It, sorry, <laughs> but it doesn't really simplify. So, so the, it has better privacy guarantees than Liquid because Liquid just has confidential transactions. Uh, Charming eCash offers way stronger privacy guarantees, um, and the biggest pain point of Liquid is moving back and forth from Liquid. So, the coolest part about this to me is that it just uses the Bitcoin network. It, 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 everything is interoperable with the greater Bitcoin network. So like if you have liquid Bitcoin, you can't just like open your wallet and pay any lightning invoice in the world. If you have a Fediment wallet, you can literally just scan. It doesn't matter if you're paying Moon Wallet, it doesn't matter if you're paying Zeus, it doesn't matter if you're paying Cash App, Strike, you can pay any lightning invoice in the world. Boom, done, no peg in, no peg out, bullshit, none of that. So you see that that's the and that I think is the key right there that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't understand. And this is what we were talking about before. This is the reduction of friction, right? Mm -hmm. The more we reduce the friction, the easier it is to get people to see the benefits of Bitcoin and what it can do for them in their daily lives or for their businesses. So I, I, I do like that because as you were explaining it, that's what I was thinking of. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, this is this sounds just like liquid, but without having to do these pegs, without having to deal with 
liquid, which is, you know, to me, always, as soon as we introduce another layer like that, I, I get, I, I know that it brings confusion to a lot of the average people. Like most people, when you talk about Bitcoin, just as Bitcoin, they, you know, to a no coiner, depending on their technical capability or their understanding, they'll get slightly, you know, they may get lost. But then if you start introducing lightning, I've had a few noobs think that they're getting a completely different token and then you have to go and explain to them, no, 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 you don't understand. This is just another layer on top of Bitcoin. There is no new token, so to speak. So it, it does. Yeah, I, I kind of I like this. I'm, I'm interested, a little more interested in Fediments. <laughs> There's a couple other things I just want to add here. First of all, like it makes lightning way more accessible. There's no channel management or anything. It'd be like if you're just using Wallet Satoshi. The second thing is I noticed with liquid, first of all, very few people use liquid. So the question is why, why are few people using it? I would say one is the friction. I would say the second thing is the actual federation members led by Blockstream. I think they're, I think they feel like they're a regulatory target because they kind of are, they're known actors running this monetary network. And they don't want to do certain things that maybe anger the beast, like and have better, better privacy tools, right? So like we've never seen like a coin join tool on Liquid, for instance. Um, and I think part of that is because there's just a single Liquid Federation. So I think it's really compelling that these that that the Fediment project is very focused on making it easy as possible for anyone to launch a federation. And what that means is. We could have the three of us could launch a federation, a bunch of NIMS could launch a federation, a bunch of exchanges can launch a federation, and we're all interoperable with each other, and everyone's choosing based on reputation, uptime, cost. Um, but as a result, it makes it like a huge hydra where it's like, okay, so if there's going to be regulatory pressure against one federation, then a different federation pops up. Maybe it's in a different jurisdiction. Maybe it's NIMS, and they don't even know who's running it, right? But Liquid doesn't benefit from that, partially because... My understanding, at least, is that is that the the way to set up a federation like Blockstream hasn't made it easy for other people to 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 create. Like, why don't we have like twenty five liquid networks, right? But with with Fediment, it's very it's very possible that within a couple of years we could see, you know, fifty, two hundred, three hundred different federa federations all offering you different things. But as a result, together they become way more censorship resistant. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I quite don't. I'm not a technical guy. I'm more of a geopolitical type of guy. But um, and, and Bitcoin's role in that. But I, from, I understand the concept, and I'm bullish, and I'm bullish on more people. It's not as ideal as self custody, but it is much better than a custodial solution. So that's what I'm bullish for. Um, and then, of course, all the all the capability it's going to give to Lightning. I'm very to go back. It almost feels like a Proton Mail. It feels like the Proton Mail of Bitcoin. Yeah. Like Proton Mail has custody of your mail. They can just turn it off at any time. But you have privacy from Proton Mail. Yeah. And you have if you use it properly, you have privacy from everyone else. Yeah. Um, it's like a federated Proton Mail to a degree. Hell yeah! It, it, that that's what makes me excited. So. Yeah, man. Let's see. And, and you have you telling me this. You have Gladstein. So you have high-profile Bitcoiners that are also saying this. I'm really excited. Called Fediments. Uh, we'll put more information down below. But anyways, Phil, it's time for... The Daily Fail. Brought to you by Swan. Check them out. SwanBitcoin.com. It's the best way to build your Bitcoin stack. Automated Bitcoin savings plan. A site and an app. 
by fellow plebs. Best way to DCA instant purchases serving clients of any size from 10 bucks to 10 million. The link is down below. All right, guys, we got a couple of fails for you. But before we dive into them, we're going to OK, we're going to have a little update on um, on Stolana or Stilana, however you want to pronounce Solana. We're going to have an update on that, but first, we're just going to remind everyone that Bitcoin died two days ago. It has died 455 times, all right? And its most recent death was on June 18th, 2022. Let's take a look at that death. Here we go. Long-term Bitcoin hodlers aren't worried as they've been through 73% declines before, but previous declines didn't involve anywhere <laughs> near the market cap lost during this decline, nor did they involve massive leverage. This time it's different. This crash is just the beginning. Bitcoin will not recover. And this eulogy was given by none other than Peter Schiff, our the, the biggest Bitcoin cheerleader there is. He owns Bitcoin, dude. Yeah, he no, of course, of course he does. He, dude, he, he's been setting up his son to be a Bitcoin cheerleader. He, he knows what the next generation of Schiff is going to be shilling, right? <laughs> so don't worry. But before we dive into the uh, before we dive into Stolana and the other garbage, uh, Odell, do you have do you have any comments on, on Bitcoin dying? I mean, Bitcoin's obviously going to zero. Uh, I uh, first of all, I think it's hilarious that Schiff basically uh, made the claim that because Bitcoin is worth more now and has more adoption that, that this, even though it's a percentage, the same percentage crash, it's uh it's a bigger deal. Uh, so he, he either accidentally or intentionally acknowledged that Bitcoin has been extremely successful over time. Um, I think in this particular crash, what we're seeing is we're seeing a massive macro unwinding, um, outside of Bitcoin as well. I mean, stocks are getting hammered. You open, I mean, the market's been closed for fucking three days because today was a holiday too. Um, but uh, CNBC is like in full panic mode, right? Like all, all the investors are in full panic mode. Um, and in in the greater crypto ecosystem, I say with quotes, um, there was massive leverage. A lot of people took out a lot of loans. Now, I think there's a lot of leverage throughout the entire system outside of Bitcoin and crypto in general, um, but but in our industry or in the greater shitcoin industry, uh, if you even want to call it our industry, uh, there was a lot of risky, high leverage loans, a lot of shit like that. Bitcoin does not have circuit breakers. It does not have market freezes. It does not have bailouts. It does not have people who can step in and stop the markets. It's as close to a free market we've ever seen. Um, so as a result, during panic times, you're going to see massive deleveraging events um, as basically good money washes away the bad money. And you're just going to see everyone get wiped out. They're going to get wrecked. There's a reset. Um, and ultimately, Bitcoin is a highly liquid asset. So a lot of these a lot of these companies, people, like they had, they got wrecked on illiquid shit. They got wrecked on NFTs. They got wrecked on shit coins. They got wrecked on, like some of the, like three hours capital took out loans, collateralized loans on JPEGs. Right. And they couldn't liquidate the JPEGs, but they could liquidate the Bitcoin. The Bitcoin was extremely easy to liquidate. And this kind of goes back to our, our real estate thing. Like, have you ever tried to sell an investment real estate property? Like best case scenario, it's taking you five, six months to sell that thing and tons and tons of paperwork with Bitcoin. You know, you can do it on the toilet if you want to do it. You can just immediately, immediately sell it. Now, you might not get the price you want. If, if you're doing it in large amounts, if you're a big holder in a deleveraging situation, 
like uh like three hours capital like it's gonna there's gonna be some slippage there the price is gonna go down people are gonna panic but you can do it instantly There'll, there is a clearing price at some point there's a clearing price and it can be done instantly so you have this asset that is extremely saleable very easy to to unload and liquid um it trades all the time it's free market um, and as a result, this is exactly the type of situations you're going to see. And I would even say we haven't seen anything yet. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, we wash it out this time. It's going to happen again. And it's going to happen again in free markets. People are going to take extremely risky positions and there's going to be no one to step in. But ideally as, as Bitcoin gets adopted more, any single individual or entity that is reckless will have less of effect when they get blown out on the total market. Right now, you know, you could, because we're still in this this adoption phase, like you have one or two entities and they're like entangled with all the other entities and they get blown out and just everyone, just a ton, a ton of people get wrecked. But as Bitcoin grows, those individual entities should have less and less effect when they inevitably blow up. And also, None of these people stayed humble. That was that's really the core issue. Very important. And remember, guys, Nico is the humblest. Um, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> what is the next film, my friend? All right, I'm so uh, humble that I would declare yeah. myself the humblest. <laughs> Nico, the by humblest. Far number one in the humble competition. <laughs> by far number one. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let's let's take a look at Stolana's update. I right. love this. As if it, yeah, of course. As if it wasn't embarrassing enough, right? That that one million dollars worth of governance tokens were able to control over two hundred and seventy million dollars worth of Stolana. I'm sorry, I keep referring to it as its uh, moniker name from Dirt GG. I apologize, uh, but it's just so much funnier than its real name. Um, but anyways, apparently the drama isn't over because that vote was now overturned as well. <laughs> So as if governance doesn't get embarrassing. And and little did I know yesterday, but Solana's main use case, Matt, I don't know if you knew this, but it was actually an AI that helped people write. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. We, we learned, yeah, we learned yesterday. That, <laughs> we learned yesterday uh, on yesterday's episode. Um, I found an article that explained that Solana's what? main use case is uh, an AI that helps generate uh, content for writers. Mm. Did, did you know that? Oh, I love that, actually. That makes sense. Look, it's happening right now. Look at this content that was written. Um, wait, how did it get overturned? How did it get over? It got overturned by another vote? Like, I missed that part. Oh, uh, don't worry. We're going to we're going to dive into this shit show. Here we go. I would just say I would say the most troubling part of all this, by the way, is uh, Solana pumped on this news. Just for the <laughs> Steal was, someone's money. <laughs> Price going up. <laughs> Feature, not a bug. Oh, You're right. It was so brutal. Okay, so here we go. Let's dive into it. Okay, the Deo governing Solend, a Solana-based lending platform. Wait, wait, hold has... on. It's it's yes. the it's not a decentralized autonomous organization. <laughs> we know that for sure. <laughs> it's it's a Deo, a Dao, or however they want to pronounce it. Anyways, <laughs> the alleged the alleged Dao. <laughs> Well, look, they invalidated whatever group this is, invalidated a previous vote uh, that would have let it access a whale wallet that was allegedly putting the protocol at risk. 
The whale in question is the platform's largest user, or maybe even the platform's only user, anyways, who deposited 5.7 million SOL, accounting for more than 95% of all of Solen's deposit to borrow about 108 million worth of USDC and USDT. If Sol dropped to $22.30 US, the wallet ran the risk of getting liquidated for up to 20% of its borrowing, or about 21 million. Okay, so here we go. This is what I love about decentralized. I, it's such it's such a good word. It's so good. So here we go. We've been listening to your criticisms about Solend One and the way in which it was conducted. Solend co-founder Ruder wrote in a blog post, the price of SOL has been steadily increasing, buying us some time to gather more feedback <laughs> and consider alternatives. I, I, I just read that to you, okay? So look, number go up buys us more time. So we can come up with more BS to get you to hang on to this bag. Anyways, here we go. The new vote, this is good. The new vote also increased the governance voting time to one day, while because before it was at six hours, while the Solon team is expected to come up with a new proposal that does not involve emergency powers to take over an account. That's right. So they're going to go and trust this entity to come up with a, another scheme that doesn't involve doing whatever they want and taking away someone else's power. I mean, how is this even, how is this, why are we the only ones laughing? How come we're the only ones that see that this is a joke? Like, I get afraid. Like, I get afraid that, that other, like, shitcoiners, like, I remember when I was shitcoining, I would read this stuff and I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. What the hell am I doing? Like, I, because like once you once you realize that it makes no sense and you realize that it's just a pump and dump scheme and you, you realize that none of them are like Bitcoin, you, you can't honestly say to yourself, this is legitimate and I am believing these people. Well, I mean, what, what in all fairness, what we have to say to them <laughs> in all fairness, like what, like Solana's frozen like four or five times and they just unplugged the nodes and plugged them back in. So, like, I feel like they've self-selected out anyone who'd be critical of this. <laughs> Um, that's a good point like slowly and steadily it's like it featured on a bug man that's a good point <laughs> it's the exact opposite of decentralization uh, if it can be co-opted by a vote it can definitely be co-opted by a government um, and yeah you're just not going to separate money from state with that technology uh, it's, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous but they're all about the gains, right? I guess, and you could democratically steal other people's money for more gains. It's 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 really like it's really it's what the the system is today. It's exactly the same. Um, it's just more it's smaller, I guess. It's just ridiculous. It's more ridiculous. Like somehow it's it's been made exponentially more ridiculous. But anyways. Speaking of ridiculous, we're going to move on to the next fail, which, yeah, that's right. Because as you could imagine, it's OK, we're, we're wrapping up with this one. Um, but this one is actually really amusing because I've learned some new vocabulary. Matt, uh, we, we may um, we, we may be introducing you to some no, new vocabulary as well. Um, so every, everyone's going to learn now. OK, this is like a learning and sharing experience. So here we go. So DeFi protocol banker pauses, and I never knew this was something, pauses impermanent loss protection feature amid liquidity crisis. Have you you ever heard of a impermanent? Because look, you know more. You're you're definitely way more involved with you know Bitcoin devs and stuff like that. They, do they talk about impermanent loss protection feature? Is that a thing? I'm impermanent loss protection is when you hold the, the dip and then it comes back, right? 
Okay, so that, that's like a Bitcoin world, but in, in, in a shitcoin world, this is a totally different feature. Okay. I'm going to use that terminology, though. Whenever someone asks me, like, Matt, like, how are you feeling? Like, Bitcoin dumped. It's like, don't worry. We have impermanent loss protection on Bitcoin. Like, it always recovers. It'll be fine. Sorry. I have no idea what this is talking about. It's okay. Neither do I. I learned a lot, and we are about to learn a lot about what this is, okay? So here we go. So prominent DeFi protocol banker suspended its impermanent loss protection program citing hostile market conditions and manipulative behavior as the main causes behind the action, assuring users and investors that it's only a temporary measure. Banker noted that all funds on the protocol are secure and trading remains active on all liquidity pools. In 1971, Nico, when they, when, when they, uh, de when, when they uh, de-pegged the dollar from gold, that was a temporary measure. It was temporary. We're not in 2022 and that's still true. It's all temporary. Anyways, let's let's continue on here. Many DeFi protocols have fallen deep into the crisis mode due to liquidity strains as investors dr withdraw funds from liquidity pools. So right now, what, what needs to happen is we're, we're painting a picture as to why we did this ridiculous thing, right? Why we're freezing your funds in some strange way. So just kind of making sure that you understand that it, it's not just banker. It's everyone else that's messed up. Okay, so following that crypto lender Celsius froze users accounts last week, decentralized automated market maker in brackets, AMM. I, I never knew that this was a thing. Banker announced on Monday halting its impermanent loss, IL, right? IL in brackets, guys. Protection feature designed to offset the impact of IL by distributing its native token BNT to those affected. Okay, so look, what I just read to you was complete nonsense. All you need to remember is this. All you need to know is this. There is a shit coin called Banker, and when, when things go wrong in the market, they dump you their shit coin. Okay, they give you a bunch of their shit. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. They turned off that feature. Oh, I'm. You're right. I'm sorry. They, the the impermanent loss fee, the IL protection feature. I forgot. <laughs> We're so bad. You know what? We're just not into this tech. That's the problem. We're closed-minded. Anyways, here we go. So, impermanent loss occurs in DeFi when the value of the staked asset changes relative to their initial value during the deposit time due to external market conditions. When launching its banker version three earlier this year, the protocol refined the protection mechanism, positioning it as a special feature distinguishable from other DeFi competitors. That's right. They give you some shitcoin when things go bad. Mm. That's nice of them. Kind of sounds like the uh, kind of sounds like the Cantillon effect. I I mean, yeah. Hit it, hit it, Matt. <laughs> like the bankers. I have a couple takeaways. First of all, like who the fuck names their new site Crypto Potato? <laughs> Second right. of all, um, it's a great site. There, there's a, there's, there's it's a comp. <laughs> there's, a, yeah, is this Greg's site? Fuck you, Greg. Um, <laughs> fuck you, Greg. <laughs> there's um, constant reiteration you see in the last post and this post where they just put decentralized in front of things doesn't make them decentralized. Like if a small group or entity or individual can change something, then it's fucking obviously not decentralized. Just saying it's decentralized does not make something decentralized. So they use it multiple times. The word DeFi itself is usually bullshit. It's supposed to be decentralized finance when it's not decentralized, automated market maker bullshit. Um, and then the third thing is, I love how they talk about it like the protocol is just doing things on its own. The, pro the protocol refined the protection mechanism. 
the the bold <laughs> protect the protocol they just keep saying the protocol did not unveil a specific timeline for such an extreme measure like it was the pro- protocol just releasing press releases now <laughs> It's It rug pulls itself because it knows it'll get clicks. No, oh, th- this is Banker Nico. It's not oh. Solana. This is another. They're all the same. <laughs> Matt, that, that was awesome. This is awesome. Okay, hold on. We're gonna we're, we're close to wrapping this up. So here we go. So the bold measure, right, of removing this impermanent whatever feature. The bold measure aiming to protect the protocol and its users from potentially manipulative actors will be lifted once the market stabilizes again. The protocol did not unveil a specific timeline for such an extreme measure. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. This part just gets weird. Um, Withdrawals performed during this unstable period will not be eligible for IL protection. Users who remain in the protocol will continue earning yields and be entitled to withdraw their fully protected value when IL protection is reactivated. So is the coin not worth as much while this protection is not activated? I I don't understand. Okay. Anyways. That's right, Nico. I got very colorful with this one. Before we got to red, we went purple. Okay, I've never gone purple before. Nico knows my colors. It's usually kind of this orange to red thing. Anyways, here we go. The abrupt change of policies came as a re- came as a response to the rewarded <laughs> BNT getting consistently dumped in the past 18 months, leading the assets price to slump. So you know how we've said in the past that literally when they pay you these tokens, all they're, all that happens is they're dumped? There you go. You've got an actual project that admits that all people do is dump their coins when they get issued. Anyways, here we go. So the team paused the feature to prevent BNT from continually plunging. So this has nothing to do with your protection. They paused the feature so that you stop dumping their coin. Anyways. Here we go. To cover their liabilities, these entities have rapidly liquidated their BNT positions and withdrawn large sums of liquidity from the system, while an unknown entity has opened a large short position on the BNT token on an external exchange. Yes, free markets, that happens when you have a shitcoin. <laughs> Anyways, it happens no matter what, but when you have a shitcoin, it gets a whole lot worse. Anyways. All right, wrapping up. Here we go. The liquidity crisis. As the crypto industry is witnessing the worst sell-offs in years, some firms are in deep trouble financing their loans, and a flood of liquidations has occurred (coughs) to fame digital asset hedge funds like Three Arrows. Again, it's not us. It's happened to other people. It's not our fault. In Banker's case, the protocol said it had identified anomalies. There you go, Matt. The protocol is speaking. But not only is it speaking, it's suggesting that more than one major participant has been actively shorting the token. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So, so look, we're, we're you know, the, the whole theme of this is we're seeing, at, you know, this is the part of the, you know, the Bitcoin price, the Bitcoin caca price dropping that is fun in the market is that you start to shake out all of these terrible players that have no, have no business in, the, in, in this market to begin with. But now there's enough weakness to actually shake the tree and just show them all falling out and scattering. And, and this is just I'm sorry. You know, I feel bad for the people who, you know, are holding this bag of garbage. So many like people that didn't know better got fucking wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we feel bad. For but them, a lot of people that should have known better also got wrecked. So this is true. I, I, look, I is th- the only teacher it taught me when you, you know? see Solana, when you see this bank or whatever um it just it to me it it like 
it's what happens in the fiat system is happening in small scales it's like history repeating itself but they just change the names but the same problems are happening someone else is stealing your money because you have too much wealth and you have to protect everybody for the greater good or in this case there's like insurance protection but they add price controls because of something something like it's the same it's the same garbage it's the same continuation um i think bitcoin really breaks that cycle it's just Wow, that was that. My ears hurt. That was really hard to listen to, Phil. That that I'm was sorry. that was a very difficult one. The protocol apologizes. <laughs> I just got I a text from Solana, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but anyways, Phil, it's time for the daily meme review. Brought to you by Citadel Twenty One. They make the best Bitcoin cultural zine stories, articles, comics. By actual Bitcoiners. This is the artwork for Volume 10. This is the artwork for Volume 2. And this is the artwork for Volume 11. And they're scarce. There's only a thousand physical copies made per volume. So get your print of Citadel 21 today before they run out. Welcome to the Bitcoin Meme Review. Memes are a very important part of Bitcoin culture. And they play an essential role in this narrative hand-to-hand trench warfare that we're fighting every <laughs> single day on the internet. That's right. That's right. That's a good line. I've practiced it for a while. Anyways, Elon Musk, uh, I will keep supporting Dogecoin. Leota, Elon, we love you, Elon. You buy your Dogecoin. Who cares? Dogecoin to the moon. <laughs> and it's the NPCs falling off a cliff. All right, he next one. Bye, Piper. Bye, under, uh, RD underscore BTC. No coiners. Thanks for the tag, by the way. No coiners, traders, shit coiners, Bitcoiners buying cheap sats. All right, moving on. Uh, is replying, oh, <laughs> our famous <laughs> a- a- Ethereum expose video. Um, Ethereum 2.0. All <laughs> 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 oh, the shit coins below. That's All right. Accurate. It's so good. All right. Uh, by a pleb, Patricar. I'm sorry. Nico can't read. You guys know the drill. Dill. Drill. Drill. All right. Dill. Uh, I don't Deal. like dill. It's a bad flavor. All right. How does yield farming work? First, you deposit your coins, and then what? <laughs> then you have to stay all right, awesome. next one. This Simply is part great. of it. This is so good. This part. This is part of the journey. Don't worry. X X B T C X X X. Just hodl and let's do its. Let's math do its job. I think he's scratching his balls. All right, good one. All right, um, by other Barry, definitely a fellow pleb. All in, no regrets. Oh, look at that. Answering to Odell. Which side I'll- of the curve am I on? <laughs> I would put Phil and I on this side. Uh, definitely over here. We're not going to insult you. Definitely over here. We could all be on the left side together. <laughs> you can come visit us. <laughs> all right. I hear we're fun. Uh, uh, we have memes over here. I mean, you got memes over there, too. Um, all right. So, all in. No regrets. Uh, it has no interest. Dude, this is see the, the, the comments that we got on the shorts? This is what you sound like, bro. All right. Um, all in. No intrinsic value. It uses too much energy. It's too volatile. What if the internet goes down? The government will just shut it down if it gets too big. All in. No regrets. Absolutely true. Um, what was that meme that the optimist always says? Not reading. Don't care. <laughs> it was something like that. Um, uh, uh, no, uh, didn't all, read. Not uh, selling. Yeah. Didn't read. Not selling. Um, that sort of reminds <laughs> me of that. 
<laughs> it's one of the best. <laughs> I should just start replying to that in the comments. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Me beep. Next block. Bitcoin is finally dead. I'm a genius. Oh, that's a good one. If you if you guys know the Roadrunner cartoon, you understand the reference. All right. Um, here's Labrahoddle. Normies, I saw Bitcoin price tanking. Are you okay? Me. Damn. I kind of don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome, awesome memes by the fellow plebs. Thank you, guys. Uh, for those memes, Phil, I'm going to give it a bag of orange pills, but not only is it orange pills, it has a Bitcoin logo on the orange pill. Boom! It's a bag full of orange pills with the Bitcoin logo. Are they sweet or sour? I ha I'm scared or to try both. them. I'm scared to try them. I don't know what will happen. Can't be scared to try the orange pill. Phil, right. so I live in Miami. Usually when there's a pill with an imprinted logo on it, it's not something good. So I got these handed out. But that's out what he rated the memes. <laughs> just for the record. I, I, I don't think it's drugs. Someone just gave this to me. So, I like, it's... Anyways, Phil? Just have Phil test them out. <laughs> exactly. We've gone too far. Okay. Calls me like, Nico, I love you, man. <laughs> I took the orange pill. <laughs> Listen, it's perfectly normal when the walls are melting, okay? Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Anyways, on that note, I am gonna give it, I'm gonna give these memes a very special flat cable mm. with an orange, it's it's an orange Velcro cable tie. Mm. Or a lot of orange. So it may there. not be an orange pill, oh, but. I'm gonna, can I give, can I give the score for Matt? Just to highlight how fucking cool his orange block clock is in the back, and it's orange. Can't get it is orange. I am totally doing it because it's so cool. <laughs> well, I'll give I'll give the memes oh. uh, a nice fifty-four thousand dollar Bitcoin price oh. because I haven't plugged in my other block clock. <laughs> don't don't since, do it <laughs> since we're at fifty-four, and I won't do it until we get back back past that. That is that is that is a good score. Um, anyways, so some orange pills. I don't know what they are. Um, Phil, orange Velcro score. I store Odell's score. An orange block clock. How sick clock. is that orange block clock, though? It's awesome. And Odell gave it a block clock. Anyways, guys, we want to know if you agree with our scores. You disagree? Let us know down in the comment section. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to us on alternative video platforms like Rumble.com and our personal favorite BitcoinTV.com. They don't censor there because it's bitcoin tv and make sure to join our awesome telegram group it's a party in there you can link us some memes join it do it right now click click anyways phil there was an open source software release today why don't you tell everybody about it software releases brought to you by CypherSafe. check them out cyphersafe.io forget about paper it's dead store your seed in the cypher wheel or the all-new cypher grid they both come with a tamper resistant wire and the grid comes with a punch tool all right, we've got Galoy Money version 0.1.179 that was released. It is down below in the show notes. Guys, don't forget to check out... Ugh. <laughs> Don't forget to check us out on our audio-only platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you want to stream us sats, check us out on Fountain.fm. You could stream us sats through Breeze. Awesome. Thank you for our guys. Before we go, I want to give a quick shout out to Pirate Beach Bum. Check out his pleb writing. What's surviving the bear market diaries? Boom. Go check it out. Um, 
Bitcoin bear market diaries. Bitcoin bear market diaries. Definitely check out our clothing sponsor. Phil and I wear the hoodies every single day. Represent LTD.com. He's coming out with Bitcoin merch. Simply Bitcoin merch. And you can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 10% off. Represent LTD.com. I also want to give a a very, very special shout out to a friend of the show, the legendary Matt Odell. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Odell. He's the host of Citadel Dispatch and the Rabbit Hole Recap. Anyways, guys, that was our show. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Smash that like button. Of course, if you want to continue hearing the Bitcoin news from the plebleb perspective and the catastrophic fails and the memes from the same perspective, definitely consider subscribing to Simply Bitcoin. And we'll see you tomorrow, guys, for a brand new episode. To quote our awesome guest, no one can slip and fall outside your Bitcoin. Booyakasha! We'll be right back.